0: Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Making America Great Again.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Oh. See, yeah, you know what? you got to right. wait for I what's up, boys. I know Wes isn't here today, uh, and you're sitting uh, to my left, which is throwing off the whole chemistry it's... and the balance here right now. I'm not one of those versatile players that
4: can play any position. I'm going to be terrible today because <laughs> of this. It is odd. I'm honest. so
1: used to seeing Greg in the distance over in the corner, and now he's <laughs> looking over my shoulder. So. Are you
4: feeling some pressure?
1: No, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not versatile, and you can't move me around. And when other people move around, I start to crumble. So. <laughs>
3: We are, listen, that's what makes us so great, our lack of versatility. Uh, Yes, this is the Sunday recap show, our flagship show of the regular season, the Around the NFL podcast, where we're going to break down 14 games that we watched today, right? Is that the right number? That is the right number. Nailed it. Big Sunday. Another home run. Mark, I want to, before we get into anything, touch base with you, Mm. Uh, you, you know, we do the NFL game day blitz on NFL Now every (laughs) Sunday. Uh, You were bumped today. Uh, They rolled in Larry King uh, and and put him, propped him up on on the couch, and he spoke. Instead of you, was this a career uh, low point?
1: Uh, It was was concerning, but if, you know, 50 years from now... I bump someone to be on television. I would consider it revenge. That'd be five decades from now because that's how old he is.
4: Well, but Larry King is a, a TV legend. You can't feel bad about getting bumped for Larry King. He, you know, he did he did the dab, which you know, enough of the enough of the dab at this point. And they which, put that thing on NFL Network from Game Day Blitz. That wasn't happening if Sessler goes on there and starts. How do you
3: know? Up. Mark could have come on and said something wild. Well,
1: I never would have done the dab to start with. So <laughs> uh, okay, I think that's fair.
3: Uh, yes, there is a lot uh, to get to today. Uh, and a, another a day where, you know, now we're in the middle of this, this playoff push. Uh, a lot of things going on right now. A lot of big injuries to talk about uh, coming up. Steelers, Bengals, we're going to talk about. And the injury that could change the AFC. Uh, we're going to have two phoners, to use a little industry Whoa! lingo. Uh, our old friends, Connor Orr, our New Jersey correspondent. And, of course, Kevin Patrick coming at you. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we had Kevin, so we got to get him on, talk some games that they watched, and uh, finally Sunday night football. Uh, we go live from the throne of ease in Houston, where the Pats and Texans squared off. Uh, Greg always upset when they flex. The Pats, the Sunday night, you don't get to give the game the yeah. attention you feel it deserves.
4: Well, plus the shipping cost for the throne to get it down
3: there to Houston. Right. not
1: to that. on That's your dime though, so not a major concern of
3: your <laughs> Listen to Greg, by the way. Everything, and we'll get to this, but everything that could break, Throne of E's way, it did. Here we go again. Well, we same we've thing saying, over and over yeah, again. I
1: mean, for eight months we've said what would the Patriots would do. They go twelve and four. Mm roll right into the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, because
4: the season's over now. We,
1: well, if if I've an... learned anything, we should
4: make yeah. a long-term judgment based on one week's uh, it, events. No,
1: no, it's not one week. It's 15 years. And at this <laughs> point, we know what's going to happen. The, the, the season just plays out as a sad procession of known events, and All we right. just sit by and watch and commentate on it.
3: Oh, well, he's right. Save, save it for the, uh, the Patriots. And, of course, uh, before we get to the first game, this is our Sunday show, which means you could watch this. On YouTube, oh yeah, or NFL Now, uh, but of course you could also listen to it. You probably are right now, if you're hearing. That would make sense. You could comment Logic on YouTube. Maybe out.
4: maybe some smarter comments on the old YouTube.
3: Let's comments. not ask too much. Uh, the YouTube we get great comment, comments on iTunes.
4: Let's get some better ones on YouTube. YouTube comment
3: section is basically a cesspool, cesspool of humanity, I find. <laughs> um, but if our listeners, who are all smart people, want to get involved, Godspeed. Let's get to the games. Let's start in the AFC North in what was a showdown, or what we thought was going to be a showdown. I thought the football world, we got cheated in this one because a worst-case scenario played out for the Bengals, who lost Andy Dalton to a potentially season-ending thumb injury, then got beaten their building by the Steelers, 33-20. Greg, the Bengals are still 10-3, still have the inside track in the AFC North title, But this is a disaster for a Super Bowl contender.
4: Imagine at the beginning of the
3: season feeling like Andy
4: Dalton is so good, he's so valuable, that the team's Super Bowl chances are all going to go up in smoke just because he's injured. But that's what it felt like today. What a costly play that he got injured on. He got injured on an interception. Uh, So he hurts his thumb. Uh, The Steelers pick it off. end up being a big play in a game that was a little tighter than the score. And A.J. McCarron comes in. Now... I thought A.J. McCarron showed some things. He made four or five really good throws. He had a pick six that hurt him. He had another interception at a key point of the game. So that you've got to cut that down, obviously. But 32 passes, 280 yards. I watched that game, and I thought, they can win games with A.J. McCarron against the bad teams. So if there's any chance that Andy Dalton could get back for the playoffs, I think McCarron can get him there with the division title.
1: Well, and they play the 49ers and Ravens, but in between that is a Broncos game that the Steelers also played Denver, and it's crazy to think, after the way that the Bengals have performed this season at a peak level, far beyond what any of us possibly thought they could do, that Pittsburgh could still win this division.
3: Well, but only because the quarterback just broke his thumb. I mean, it's the worst possible luck for the sure. Bengals and a franchise that deserves better. They've had bad luck for years upon years, and for this to happen... I don't know, it's just like, you know, Wes talks about how this season has been a real bummer with all these injuries, and this is just another one. Dalton was going to be one of the really fun subplots, and maybe he comes back, who knows, but he, he was going to be one of the really fun subplots of January. Now, there's a good chance that that's just
4: not going to happen. I, I totally agree. I think this is the best Bengals team since the 80s, without a doubt. Maybe even Maybe even better than that second Bengals team that made the Super Bowl uh, in terms of a complete game. And you saw it today. Because even though they were down early, they were down 7-0 when Dalton threw that interception. It it ends up being 13-0. This didn't look like two uneven teams, even with McCarron on the field. The the Bengals had more total yards than the Steelers in this game. They moved the ball up and down. The defense did a pretty good job against Pittsburgh, who only had 350 yards. They've been lighting it up. D'Angelo Williams held for 76 yards. They kept plays in front of them. Uh, But the Steelers made all the big plays when they needed to. I'm not trying to say the Steelers were held in check. When they got a turnover, they converted it quickly. They had a comfortable lead, and I think they played it a little safer, maybe because McCarron was in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, we see no evidence of Pittsburgh slowing down on offense at all. Despite losing Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams has stepped right in. Their passing game is insane. With Cincy, did they have to change the scheme or the playbook with McCarron in there
4: well they were trailing by two scores most of it they couldn't really run the ball they ran 16 times for 64 yards they fell behind so quickly because Ben Roethlisberger was aggressive I mean to me one of the key plays of the game is third and one on the first drive and he goes down the field 31 yards that just sets the tone he hits another third and 10 uh later that drive the, the Steelers gave up some chunk plays to the Bengals. I don't think they changed what they did because McCarron was aggressive. I mean, he had a bomb to A.J. Green. He had a couple nice 20, 25-yard throws up the seams. He he didn't look that bad. I watched that and thought,
3: well, maybe, maybe they have a chance.
1: He's certainly confident. He referenced himself potentially as stepping in the way that Tom Brady did <laughs> I- back in that I, I saw
3: year. that's going to be a thing where he gets heat for that, but I don't think that's fair. Well, no, I mean, he
1: didn't just... mean it as a, in a bragging way. No, no That's he... how
3: he's going to get buried. He's going to get buried right. for that, though. No, I
4: think what he was
3: saying was, I'm better than Tom
4: Brady. <laughs> I'm going to win All the right. Super Bowl. I'm AJ McCarron. Have you seen my wife? I'd be you know, I'd be confident, too. Have you seen my tattoos, my absurd chest tattoos? Mm, I'm, I'm looking forward this week to the hot takes. Like, well, this guy's got the tattoos, not like a franchise quarterback, you know, like Colin Kaepernick took back in the day. <laughs> I mean, this guy's not a true franchise Better quarterback. Better than Brock Osweiler's tattoo.
3: Did the Steelers win the AFC North?
4: No, because the Bengals are still two games up, and that's only with three to play. The Steelers still have to go win in Denver, or they got to win... Uh, against Denver, rather, in Pittsburgh. So that's a tough game. The Bengals, all they have to do is beat the Ravens and the Browns, as you say. And they might just have to win one of those games. And I think, like like I said, what we saw today, there was talent up and down this team on defense. I think they can do it against the bad teams. I, like, I like that you're all in on A.J. McCarron. No, I'm not all in. Carrying the water here. Well, Tyler, he's I'm all in Eifert, on A.J.
1: McCarron dealing, playing New England in the playoffs. I think he likes Ooh, the idea of that. That sounds good.
4: But Pittsburgh has a chance now to win the division. Uh, and... It's just getting harder and harder to imagine them not
3: uh, making a wild card, but that next game against the Broncos is tough. And they lost Tyler Eifert to a concussion as well, so we don't know what's going on. A lot of bad news in Cincinnati. It's, it
4: sucks. It's, it's one, terrible. It's Especially for a fan base that, uh, were they on the fan pan rankings? Yes. Oh, obviously. absolutely. Of course they were. Not and, I mean, and this is another, if, if, if this plays out, and there are some reports that Dalton won't return, that's not been confirmed by our guys, and, and we think that's up in the air right now, uh, if he doesn't play again this season, I mean that goes down as one of the more painful things to happen in this.
3: Remember league. the last time they had a great team was 2005 when uh-huh. Carson Palmer blew out his knee Very in much the so, first so. Uh, drive of a playoff game against the Steelers. When these two teams play, remember last year Le'Veon Bell and AJ
4: Green got injured the second time that the Steelers and Bengals play, and neither one of them ended up playing in the playoffs because of that. There's just some bad voodoo. Mm.
3: Moving on uh, elsewhere in the AFC. Khalil Mack, ladies and gentlemen, Khalil Mack had a superstar coming out party in Denver. He piled up five sacks of Brock Osweiler and the Raiders is upset 15-12 win over the Broncos. Mack put the clown suit on poor Michael Schofield, tying a team record for sacks in one game. Howie Long was the previous guy. The, Bronco, the Broncos, meanwhile, they may have just kicked away home field advantage in the playoffs. Stunning turn of events. In this game, and, and the thing that was the craziest about it, a lot of crazy things in this game, and Mac was a game wrecker, um, which was really interesting to see. He now leads the NFL in sacks, or at least that game ended. He had 14, putting him ahead of Watt. Um, was that this was the total yardage at halftime was 224 yards for the Broncos, negative 12 what? for the Raiders <sighs> at the half. That's got to be the only time all year that a team had negative yardage at the half. That's
4: outrageous. And
3: the difference was the Broncos kept kicking field goals in the first half, got four field goals from Brandon McManus. Uh, so it was 12 nothing. The Raiders get back into the game with a touchdown on the first drive uh, of the third quarter. And then it becomes kind of a rock fight. The, uh, eventually, they they the uh, Raiders recover a fumble on a uh, muffed punt. Uh, by Emmanuel Sanders they score the go ahead touchdown go up 15-12 they trade missed field goals and that's it that's all she wrote mac did the rest give it to greg cuz greg predicted this
1: win last week oh, i don't yeah. think this is necessary if only greg was how, still in the
3: prediction business if only
1: so but i don't uh, headlines from the future that counts is What's this that? how you would have i'm not sure this is how you would have said it would play out though where no, I, I, I was going to a- say
4: they'll get out by a couple hundred yards uh, it'll be the craziest game you'll ever see, and that's how
1: they win. I mean, from what a little I saw of this Denver game, they could not, C.J. Anderson not on the field, they could not run the ball. And if you're Brock Osweiler, I don't blame the game on Brock Osweiler when you were getting you know zero protection, but you can't put it all on him when you can't run the ball if you're Gary Kubiak in that offense.
4: No, but he missed, they all had a part in it. Demarius Thomas had one of the worst games by a superstar receiver all season. Since he had one two weeks ago. That's true, too. He had a couple drops. Uh, he had a fumble in the game. He had a drop that killed a fourth-quarter drive. He really struggled. Brock Osweiler also had a wide-open touchdown uh, at Green. one point, I believe, at the end of the first half, missed that throw. Uh, they had a lot of unforced errors. And then you think back to last week against San Diego when they only scored 10 points on offense, and you really kind of think about this Brock Osweiler run. And they've run the ball better, but that's kind of stopped now, That at least did today against the Raiders. You know, they didn't move the ball for three quarters against the Patriots. He's really put together a couple good quarters here and there. I'm not saying uh, they're a bad team or anything, but the offense is better with Brock Osweiler. It's not been great.
1: Well, he missed throws in every game, but I think that's to be expected of a guy who's just been thrust into the position. I don't want to hear the nonsense about putting Peyton Manning back in there because what would Peyton Manning have done, Danny, the old Mac.
3: No, that's not going to happen. I mean, Osweiler wasn't perfect, especially in the second half, but that was... Really a function. The meltdown was a function of uh, just their inability to uh, run the ball. And Demaryius Thomas, yeah, he had a terrible game. I mean, he had a dry, he had a bad drop. He lost the fumble. Uh, and then Vernon Davis, who has found a way oh. to have a role in this offense, one of the key plays in this game uh, in the fourth quarter, he was wide open on fourth down. Uh, probably would have been a 20-yard gain, would have put them – in Oakland territory, down three with about four minutes to play, he just drops it. I mean, this is the type of stuff that cannot happen, especially when you got a young quarterback. No. You can't you can't let him down like that. So Osweiler wasn't perfect, but he was not to blame. Peyton Manning would not have done any better in this. Situation. And they they still you know they lose control
4: of the potential number one seed in the AFC, which is big. Uh, but they still know they have Bengals. You know, coming into Denver, you've got a big Pittsburgh game coming up. The problem is they had that schedule where they knew they had two really tough games. Mm. You figured you would take care of business in the other two. Now it gets complicated. I mean, you have to play two good teams in a row in terms of the Steelers and the Bengals. You don't want to fall out of that buy spot. And for the Raiders, they stay in the mix at 6-7. and seven. No one thinks they're going to the playoffs. But I just think that they're stacking up these feel-good moments. Cars had plenty of them. And now for Khalil Mack, who is number one on our Making the Leap list. Uh, before the season, and we weren't exactly out on a limb with Cleo Mack. He was a great last year, but yeah, our point was, was he was going to go from great to a superstar, to one of the best players in the league, and I think he's done that.
1: Yeah, I mean, from premier run stuffer to someone that had another element to his game, and he's done more than that. But what about Marquette King?
3: I uh, Marquette King, the punter, had the best game by a punter in the history of professional football. <laughs> no, really, he punted ten times in this game, He put five of those inside the 20. He hung one way up uh, at the end of the game, a 55-yarder that led to Emmanuel Sanders, the muff that set up the game-winning touchdown. He also put a punt inside the five-yard line Mm. that led to a Khalil Mack strip in the end zone for a safety. He put, listen, this was Khalil Mack's special day, uh, but the
4: punter. Marke King, I mean, you got to be special to get into this show as a punter. Exactly. But we got to think of something good to talk about on the Raiders when it's amazing they win a game where Latavius Murray has 1.7 yards per carry and their three leading receivers all under 50 yards, Michael Rivera, Clive Walford, and Seth Roberts. So they don't get anything out of their big names and they still find a way to win in Denver. This Denver teams
3: I mean, this Oakland team has been a lot of fun. Amari Cooper has hit a wall uh, yeah. in the past three weeks now. I think he has 10 catches on 20 targets, no touchdowns. Uh, but as long as you have Khalil Mack, life is good. And when you a you got lot a of superstar. drops.
4: You know, Broncos fans are probably feeling pretty low, too, right now to have this type of game. And yet, I, I still think this is a team—I think this AFC as a whole is a lot closer top to bottom. And I'm including the Patriots in that than the NFC. Like, the three best teams in the league might be in the NFC right now. And you look at some of these good wild card teams in the AFC, you look at— Uh, The Broncos and Bengals have their troubles. Even the Patriots have injury troubles. And I think, like, anything can happen in this AFC playoff. Why not?
3: Uh, Let's move on to uh, Kansas City, where the Chiefs, they didn't get a strong game from their offense on Sunday, but the defense was good enough to carry the day. It was a 10-3 win over the Chargers. Uh, Linebacker D Ford had seven tackles and three sacks. Monster day. It's no Khalil Mack day, though. Let's Mm. be honest. (laughs) Uh, and the Chiefs made Step a goal up, the Chiefs made a goal line stand in the final seconds. Seven straight wins, they're eight and five, and they hold one of the wild card spots. The Chiefs, listen, this is one I'm watching as a Jets fan. You were hoping, disappointed. Yeah, hoping the Chargers can steal it at the end. They almost they almost did. And I, I get a feeling we, Greg, you and I talked about this downstairs. If they punch it in, and they nearly did on the last play of the game. Uh, I think they go for two there. Mm. Just get out of there, get out of town with an eleven to ten win, and all of a sudden the, the <laughs> Chiefs are in trouble in the AFC. Well you gotta
4: you gotta convert that to those two points and there's you know not a lot of reason to believe that Melvin Gordon is gonna run that ball and he had thirty-five yards on fourteen carries. And this is the third time now in four weeks that Philip Rivers uh, and his team has only scored 3 points and that offensive line has killed them uh, but you you guys pick on my QB index sometimes it's time to start moving Philip Rivers down the list a little well, bit well and at it's this not, point. It, oh, whether good.
1: it's his fault or not i mean he's throwing the ball to his two tight ends and Danny Woodhead at this point yeah. there's not a lot of vertical elements to that offense and there's just i mean if you're Philip Rivers he played the game with the flu he did the best he could but you you thought that you brought in the next Ladanian Tomlinson or a real game changing running back that's not been the case Everything that this, it's weird to see what's happened with San Diego over the last two years. Mike Mm. McCoy looked like a guy on the rise as coach. Now i got to wonder if he even keeps his job. Probably doesn't.
4: I think this is a a reminder. I think he keeps, well, we'll see. They they kept the GM, and they came in together. They have a close relationship. We'll see. But this is a game that should uh, make Steelers and Jets fans feel like, okay, this Chiefs team's good, but they're not, unbeatable good they have to win 10 straight to win out which is just such an impossible thing to do they do have easy matchups the next couple weeks with at ravens uh, then home for the browns and the raiders the raiders is certainly not a a simple game for them and i don't think this chiefs team is so good that they can just count on winning any game that they just show up for other
1: than the last seven
4: (laughs) by the way jeremy macklin not that not that it, it was all about jeremy macklin today but we made fun of that contract when they gave it to him. The superstar—he has been worth that money. He was six for sixty-eight today, but on a day when you're not really throwing the ball that much, just to have that competent of a number one receiver, he's had
3: a really good season. And now joining us on the line, he is uh, you know live from a haunted mansion in a rural New Jersey. He pays a mortgage. He is Connor Orr. Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast, Connor.
2: What's happening, guys?
3: What's up? Good to hear your voice as always. Uh, a member of the family, the Around the NFL family. I'm just going to take one guess, Connor, you're you're playing Madden right now.
2: <laughs> oh, you know it. I mean, uh, you know, like like you said, there's uh, a lot of goings on. Uh, you know, a GM never sleeps. So
3: Yeah, we will. We're going to have to have you on maybe, whether it's this week or soon down the line, uh, to get an update on your franchise. Of course, you are in the process of uprooting within your Madden world. Uh, you're uprooting the Patriots and maybe – relocating them to perhaps even a different country, uh, building around Griff Whalen as your franchise player, all stuff that's, that's going on right now. And we'll get to that uh, down the line. But right now, let's talk about the game you watched uh, and covered for around the NFL on Sunday. It was the Carolina Panthers, who are still perfect. Uh, Cam Newton and company clinched a first-round bye in the playoffs, a 38-to-zip wipeout of the DOA Atlanta Falcons. What a joke. The Falcons are, by the way. Get it together. The F- Panthers are now 13-0. and 0. Connor, was this as one-sided, as the final score indicates?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was the most effortless uh, win that, that I've ever seen, at least this <laughs> season. I mean, Ca- Cam Newton was, was converting second and 20s with just a flick of a wrist. There was no one within 10 yards of Greg Olson. I think that was on the first or second drive. And, uh, you know, it, the Falcons were just, they were done at halftime. And, it, it, I mean, they could have canceled the rest of the game. Forget about it.
3: They did it, by the way. The Falcons pulled off the impossible. They started 5-0. And by Christmas Eve, we won't even think of them anymore. They've managed to become irrelevant yeah. in a shorter period of time than you could have ever thought possible when you win your first five games.
2: Yeah, and, and it was weird. I mean, you know, there was a moment, and, and even kind of the analysts noted it during the game where, you know they were down twenty-one nothing. They're about to get the ball, and like you know, Dan Quinn just called like a meeting, like almost an entire team meeting on the sidelines. Like, guys, could we please just you know, can we please just stop this for like one second, like score <laughs> a touchdown? And look somewhat competent. I mean, there was like a level of panic. Like, holy crap, this is way harder than I thought it was. You know, and and I, I feel like they're really in the thick of of some ugliness right now.
4: It- it's amazing that you know going into this season, there's a great debate, like who's the best quarterback in this, this division? Is it Matt Ryan? Is it Cam Newton? Is it Drew Brees? And you, you look at where Matt Ryan is right now and where Cam Newton is right now. Cam Newton only had to throw 21 passes to have 265 yards and three touchdowns. That is efficient. I always see people use the word efficient when they're just lousy. Oh, he was efficient, 15 for 25 or 155 <laughs> yards, and they won 13 to 10. Now, th- that was efficient. He, he, every other throw he has is deep down the field field to Ted Ginn for a touchdown
3: and we're making excuses uh, by the way for Matt Ryan at this point I know he doesn't have the same players around him this year but he's having a bad year and the Greg's QB index should reflect that (laughs) please I think that Matt Ryan right now is sort of at like 2013
2: pre-Kevin Gilbride firing like Eli Manning just desperation (laughs) flailing Uh. at this point you know like, he's just sort of like, whatever. I mean, this isn't working out this year. We're
3: just going to go I love I love any call, you know. Connor callbacks to his beat in his, his previous right. light. Before we let you go, Connor, I do want to mention and bring bring to light, uh, you know, something that might be a little bit embarrassing, uh, but it's important <laughs> just in terms of us being open and with our listenership. Uh, you have – we do our picks, obviously, every week, and the uh, Panthers have won all 13 of their games. You – have picked against the Panthers eleven out of thirteen weeks uh, this season. This is absolute madness. And when is it going to end?
2: I don't know. I mean, next week you got the crafty Giants <laughs> coming to town, and uh, you know, just don't know. I mean, the Giants almost upended the undefeated Patriots before they. Came oh to down my the gosh. Super Bowl. I mean, you I hate love picking it. the
4: Giants I mean, too. This is a bonus baby pick this weekend. I'm taking it to Vegas. <laughs> the third, is, this was the worst possible pick you could have ever made, is picking the Falcons
1: in this game, and they lose
4: 30 10. Well, it's it's the
1: worst pick because our group is in battle with another editorial group in the building, and Connor's mm. picks are attached to right. our group effort. And he is an anchor, taking our ship under well, the sea
3: at this point. I did some math too, uh, and if Connor would just pick like a normal human being, he would essentially <laughs> be tied with Mark and I, picking about sixty percent of the games correct. Instead, he is—he is the anchor, or maybe the iceberg, and we're the Titanic. <laughs> anyway. Yeah,
2: well, all right. You know, next week I'll just—I'll cut all the sandwiches off my bread. I'll live a boring life. <laughs> start
4: start <laughs> picking him because they're going sixteen and zero. They're not losing to the lousy Giants or the Falcons or the Bucks. They're going 16-0. It's, it's it's such a great story.
3: Um, all right, Connor, we'll let you go. you got a mortgage to pay and a, a house to defend from goblins. So uh, we'll catch up to you a little bit later and talk to some Madden, all right? All right. Good night, guys. Later. See you, Connor. All right, Connor is out the door. Let's move on uh, and talk another NFC battle here. This between the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. Of course, the Packers haven't been... Uh, the Packers at home this season, I even, you know, some buzz. I saw it around the NFL post about uh, it's not cold enough at Lambeau Field. Is that hurting their home field advantage? <laughs> really? Anyway, forget all that. The Green Bay Packers are alone once again in first place in the NFC North following a 28-7 win over the Cowboys. Uh, this is Mike McCarthy's first game back as the play caller. He took that, that gig back, and the Packers leaned on James Starks and Eddie Lacy, who both had very nice days in the win. Mark. Are the Packers back?
1: Well, you know, after the first half, I was ready to say yes. McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, takes back the controls, calls the plays, and they looked outrageous early on. But it started to crumble a little bit for a large period of the second half where they punted four straight times. The Packers still really struggled to convert third and short, and it really was the ground game. I think it was the commitment to the ground game, 230 yards rushing their most in 11 seasons. That was the difference today. Wow. I mean, they were extremely balanced. I think McCarthy's goal was, hey, we can't fix this offense in one game, but we can be balanced. And there has been a lot of faith in Eddie Lacy the last week or two with McCarthy, and he let him go crazy. And it was Starks as well complimenting them. And then on the flip side of the ball, you're dealing with Matt Castle, who has never looked worse. I mean, this was a Matt Castle That's saying something. basement game where when they needed him to throw 3rd and 7, he throws it for 5 yards. 3rd and 11, he throws it for 7. He cannot find anyone beyond the sticks. And really, it was the defense shutting down Dallas in the second half that allowed Green Bay in the end to just heat up use the ground game, and punish Dallas late.
4: Packers get 81 plays in this game, which is a ton, and they wore the Cowboys down. You're right. It was only 14-7 to 7 there in the fourth quarter. It looked like the Cowboys were in this game, and they got the ball a couple times where, you know, they could have driven and tried to score the game in the fourth quarter. And then there was one, you know, the, the touchdown drive where Eddie Lacy and Stark started to get it going. It really was their defense because they gave them so many chances. If the Cowboys had been moving the ball at all throughout the day, we might be talking like, okay, this Packers team didn't really look that different on offense today, but they got the job done. But the defense has been good this year in spurts, and so if you need a defense to win a game for you, it's
1: not so bad. It was a terrible game for Des Bryant to go completely to sleep, and I blame that on Castle as well. At the same time, Sam Shields goes out, and Demarius Randall, Green Bay's number one, first-round cornerback, had to come in And at that point, Dez Bryant had one catch for nine yards. He finished the game with one catch for nine yards. He had a drop or two. He
3: had three three drops. Terrible drops.
1: And it's not all – I don't think Dez is is out there. He's not fully healthy. We know that. But it is a Matt Castle issue. And – Alex I guess you're being like a, too hard
3: on Matt Castle, by the way. Did you watch this game? No, oh, I'm saying you're you're taking a, a Cowboys offense that does not have a running game, has Jason Witten who's running around like a mummy at this point. He can't move anymore. Dez Bryant clearly isn't right. They don't really have a second receiver to lean on. This offense isn't that good. So asking Matt Castle to to raise them beyond, beyond mediocrity is asking a lot. Well, hold well, on, the way, let me just okay. finish. What were they doing when Tony Romo was playing? Not much. Nothing when Brandon Whedon was playing. It might not be I beyond I will say is they did
1: get a running game today. I mean, Darren McFadden, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but Darren McFadden put them down at the goal line That's with true. a chance to score, and Castle throws an end zone pick. that went off Dez's hands. That was the biggest play of the game. I'm not, I, I know who Matt Castle is. It's not a shock that he's right. up and down each game. But this is a quarterback that looked as dysfunctional as Brandon Weeden ever did. And that right. was the whole point. Oh, but he he's gives us a solid veteran presence. Well, The same thing the Bills said. And he's just not that player. Yeah, he's not like anymore. He's one-third of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, he's right
4: also now. 35 or 36 sure. years old. He and, no arm You know, power. maybe, maybe like players like Tom Brady don't age that much. But it's like he's been in the league a long time. You're right. It's time, yeah. to, time to get rid of Matt Castle. But... Matt Castle was just supposed to get them to Tony Romo. The fact that he's right. had to come back in is just almost. It's asking
1: a lot. It's, it's just cruel. And at least. Well, I, li- there's a li- I like all the Castle sympathy in here. I no. just think that he, he is not helping. It's not good. He's not good. To bury
3: a guy that's not
4: good for not being good, we already knew this. Well, here's the thing we don't have to talk about him anymore. I know he's on NFL Network as a, a supporting actor against the Jets this week. But they're 4-9. Four, ah. four, so, nice NFL games. Network producers, you can stop talking about the Cowboys. Please. You can stop jamming them into every discussion. They're no longer in the NFC East. We got the Packers. They're a real team, and they're in this game, and they're looking like the most, like, you know, they're looking like do an NFC that? North type of champion.
1: Do we jam Dallas into NFL Network shows? Oh, yeah.
3: Are you kidding me? He's like, oh, let's talk about them. Let's Greg, send reporters there. Single-handedly dooming his career. One word at a time right now. All right, let's move on uh, to uh, Russell Wilson. Man, he is continuing a dominant run of play right now. He's, he threw five touchdown passes uh, against a decimated Ravens team, let's be honest. But still, end of the day, 35-7 win for the Seahawks. They're suddenly 8-5, and five, looking very much like the Seahawks uh, that have dominated football for the past two years. Mark, is there anyone on the planet playing football better than Russell Wilson. You know, you're beating up on Matt Castle. Now I'll let you talk about a good quarterback. Thank you. Well, it's yes. much
1: more enjoyable to talk about Russell Wilson. I mean, we just talked with Connor about the way that Cam Newton sort of effortlessly is at the top of his game. I feel the same way about Wilson, and it didn't just start this week. He's got a four-game run with 16 touchdowns, zero picks. And it really it comes down to what he's doing play-by-play. Play. There was an early touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett that was just beautiful. A read, surveys the field, throws a beautiful pass, something that – you know, some people wonder if Russell Wilson a year ago, two years ago, is capable of that kind of development. We're seeing it. The one big thing for me, because listen, they blew the Ravens out today. There was no question two quarters in, he was going to win this thing. But Thomas Rawls goes out with a season ending ankle oh, injury. That's and, terrible. you know, e- even in one quarter, it was in the first drive for them that he had 44 yards, looked like he was on his way to another monster game on the ground. And now you're maybe waiting for Lynch to get back. Before the playoffs, no guarantee of that. Uh, Dewan Harris and Fred Jackson on the ground looked absolutely miserable. So you've got to reorganize that part of your offense, and that's a big loss for them no matter how well Wilson's playing.
4: It's, it's amazing to me how well Tyler Lockett is playing. Tyler Lockett great. is now one of the only two uh, players in NFL history as rookies to have five receiving touchdowns, a kick return TD, and a punt return TD. And his receiving skills are no joke. They have been coming up in the last four weeks, and we've been waiting for them to develop a young you know, vertical type
1: of receiver, and they now have one. They have it. And, and Dan will like this. I won't go to town on Jimmy Clausen because he actually – this game is not Ooh. on him. They did what they could. But they're so depleted that when they announced their offensive lineup, which I don't know why they went with offense – before the game, and you know, the last guy, the fire's burning and all the flags are waving. (laughs) It's supposed to be the guy that you center your entire organization. It's Marshall Yonda. And he, he proceeds to help block for well, he's the only rushed Rushford what two yards in the first quarter. They have nobody left. He's the only
4: good player on the team. They've got no one left. And we saw a graphic, if you're watching it on YouTube, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, two of the top fantasy scorers, which is, which is amazing. They're going to have to be more of a pass-first team. I know yeah. Marshawn Lynch will come back at some point, but you can't count on him to just carry the load. And in the meantime, you've got to win some games. It's going to be all Russell Wilson. Meanwhile, I'm looking, I was looking at the box score during the game here and i feel like this is very fitting if you look right now <laughs> seattle it's got all their stats on the website and it just says no baltimore passing no baltimore rushing well, it doesn't obviously matter they're not they're not humans button. they're not you know Buck How about Allen. You
3: use the NFL.com stats well, well it it generates keep, from the let's same place but right okay <laughs> keep it
4: under the table
3: all right i won't tell anyone anything else on this game guys
4: seattle's in that 5 seed now Yeah. so they don't they don't really have to worry about other teams you know, they still have to go to Arizona. But if they go to the NFC East winner, which is how it would set up Yikes. now, I mean. Oh, I love it. Forget about what it. What
3: a great way to get rid of the NFC East from our lives <laughs> Lives is for the Seahawks to go into the Meadowlands or the Link or Landover and just absolutely drop a bomb.
4: And it, and whether it's Arizona or Carolina, that is the last team you want coming in on Divisional on weekend. Especially if,
1: if you do have that NFC East game and maybe you don't have – uh, Marshawn Lynch but you give him another week to get healthy because that, that is the issue for me they are—they are—they want, want to be a run first team and they can't right now
3: mm. uh, moving on uh, the New York Jets there you go boys taking care of business at the Meadowlands on Sunday they jumped out to a 27 nothing halftime lead and cruised to a 30-8 to win over the listless Tennessee Typhoons. you know I'll tell you something about the Tytoons uh, you want to talk about a team that sucked this room in we thought that they had turned the corner. They thought, "Oh, they got the quarterback, and they have some frisky pieces around." This team stinks, and they didn't even—they didn't even look like they wanted to be there by the second quarter of this game. Guys making business decisions on tackles—it uh, seemed to be some loafing, from my opinion, mm. from my vantage point. Uh, and I think that listen—is there any way to fire an interim coach? No, you don't do. You just go <laughs> through the season and you so and you negative. Start over, Enjoy your Jets you victory. Start over. Uh, I'm getting there. Uh, but the Jets, they did what they needed to do. And this is why I'm starting to get excited. And this is why, again, Greg, you were wrong with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I hope to see this rectified in the QB index this There's week. nothing
4: wrong about him. Uh, he's playing
3: well. He has, in the last three games, he's got nine touchdowns, no, inter- no interceptions, passer rating over 100. This was supposed to be the time of the season that Ryan Fitzpatrick came down to earth in the past where he starts playing poor and sinks his team. But it's the actual opposite, where he's been up and down this season with some highs and lows. He's played really smart, good football. He's on pace to throw for over 4,000 yards, more than 30 touchdowns. And in Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, you have, and and you can make the argument, obviously, uh, that Pittsburgh probably has a better one-two punch. But there aren't many that are better than Decker and Marshall right now. They both had touchdowns again in this game and they're both on pace for 1,000 yards. Uh, Well, Marshall's already over it. He's on pace for almost 1,500. Double-digit touchdowns, that's a real one-two punch. When Chris Ivory's right, this offense is good. It's a top-ten offense.
1: Let me ask you something, because I think we can look at the Jets now and say that they've done enough to be, they'll be there in the final week in the contention for the playoffs. Hopefully. Right? It's a tough situation. you got the
4: Steelers. They'll get, the to the, they'll get to the final week. You've
1: got the Cowboys, Patriots, and Bills left on your schedule. They can win two of those because the Bills feel like a lost team to me on some level. But do you see them as a team that can actually do some damage in the playoffs?
3: I think they could hang with any team in the AFC. I really do. And really? I, yeah, I don't think there's any team, especially now the Bengals have been compromised. Denver, you know, isn't dominating anyone right now. The Jets always play the Patriots tight. The Steelers are going to be tough for anyone, but I, I, I think the Jets... Uh, could def- definitely at least hang with them. I think the Jets would be a tough out in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think they're dangerous if they get there, but the path is still hard. Chris Ivory's playing well. You mentioned okay. Fitzpatrick. I think I, yeah, you, know, you guys you talk
4: about being too hard on someone. I don't think Chris Ivory really ever looked that different this season. I really think it it, it was a string of games where the offensive line wasn't playing as well, and they played some better teams, and he's been running with a lot of juice. You're right, Fitzpatrick was coming off, I think, his best game of the year against the Giants. They really dominated that game, and I think we're unlucky that they were down in it. And the Jets are a complete team. I mean, you mentioned Decker and Marshall. They have more touchdowns than any Jets receiving tandem in Jets history. I mean, it's a, it's a nice team, uh, and they're 8-5. and In most years, 10 or 11 wins, that's going to get you right in. But you mentioned it with the Chiefs, and we'll talk about them coming. I mean, we talked about them already. And then the Steelers, they're gonna, they might have to win out to get in, which
3: is very difficult. That's asking a lot, especially when you are the Patriots on your schedule. And I think, even though you're right, uh, Mark, about the Bills being a team that's deeply inconsistent, knowing Rex, he'll have them pumped up in Orchard Park in Week 17 if it's a win and go home for the Jets scenario. So I think that could be a tough game too. So the Jets have a very tough road. It would have been really nice if the Chargers could have knocked off the, Char- uh, the Chiefs uh, today. It did not happen. But uh, listen, what, what else can I ask for? Our first three game winning streak since 2011. They're 8 and 5. It's a team that was four and twelve last year. No one gave them a shot. You did. You said top ten I team. Did. They're I did. gonna win ten games. I thought they had the pieces, and it's really it's worked out, but not in the way I thought it was. I never thought this was gonna be a team with a good offense. Like this is a good offense. Chan Gailey. They have that new coordinator of the year uh, award. He's got to be in the mix.
1: Man. Well, and he's got. I be think he has
4: Max. I mean, and there's they have some talent, but he's doing a great. Yeah,
1: job. and I mean, you look at you know Ivory and, and Marshall and Fitzpatrick. These guys hadn't played together last year at one point, so they're coming together at the. right time and the last six quarters for Fitzpatrick have been outrageous mm. the end of that Giants game out of his mind he deserves a lot of credit yeah pay the man and pay, I'm not talking well about well hands.
4: although you should pay hands. pay me as well pay Sessler pay me but pay
3: pay Muhammad Wilkerson too big Mo three sacks he has 12 on the year uh just one half sack shy of um uh an old jet uh, whose name I'm blanking on, or Sean Ellis, who had 12 and a half mm. in 2003. So he's starting to get into some hollow territory in Jets history. Pay him! Get it done. The as, Re- the Reeves contract could hurt them, though, with this stuff.
4: As good as Sheldon Richardson and, you know, expected Leonard Williams, they you know they were kind of the new, exciting guys. I mean, he's the best player on that defensive line.
3: He's a, he's a beast. He's a beast. He's the best player on, on the defense. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is the team MVP, Greg, and that's why... I give it to Marshall. A top-10 offense quarterback... You got to put him higher in your QB. Let's index. just
1: do. Let's go Jets. Rest of the podcast.
3: We we'll have thirty-five minutes. Just keep. It <laughs> going. I like that. I like. Well, don't worry, Mark. We'll get to your Browns. I'm not Johnny asking to get to. Today. I'm not
1: asking to get to the. You know what? You can number one. I'm. We're happy for you, Dan. You don't have to have this streak of aggression about the Jets. We're actually. Feeling good for you. We like so. the Jets. I don't think yeah, you are feeling good
3: for me, Mark. You really don't? I think, no, I don't. I
1: really? actually texted no. Dan two days ago to say how great I thought they played against the Giants when I saw well,
3: them. Watched. I think the Browns, and we'll get to the Browns. Them winning puts you in a better headspace when it comes to the Jets doing well. Because, well winning means
1: nothing for you. I, I'm actually we'll genuinely happy for my friend, but it's going to take weeks for for the ice to melt around Dan on this one. All right,
3: here we go. Moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars have never scored 50 points in the regular season. Uh, well, at least until Sunday, Blake Bortles threw three touchdowns and the Jaguars scored a touchdown in every second half position, possession, a 51-16 win over the Colts, a 50-burger. The Colts get dropped on them. 40-burger in the second half alone. Absolutely. Jacksonville actually trailed at halftime in this game and they were getting booed by the home crowd at Everbank Field, which is a weird place. Then they outscored the Colts 42-3 in the last two quarters. The Jaguars alive, still with a pulse. The Colts stink. They have a pulse. I mean, they're
4: one game out right now. (laughs) If they had just won that game against Indianapolis the first time around, which I covered, so I remember it well, where they lost by three and a million things went against them, and it was the first time we saw Matt Hasselbeck, they they would be in first in this division. Instead, they're one game back, and... If nothing else, they have some identity. And it's part of the identity is they're one of the worst defenses in the league. But the other part of the identity is they're fun to watch, and Allen Robinson and Blake Bortles, and they can put up points in a hurry. 39
1: points last week, 51 this week. Yeah, and we've seen spurts of this with Jacksonville, and it's not consistent, and that's the issue. But if you, if you want an argument to keep... The GM who found all these parts and David Caldwell and the coach. Oh, no, there's Bradley. no
4: question now. I
1: absolutely would because I don't think you blow the machine up at this point. There's too many signs of growth here, especially on offense. Well, they
3: hit on the quarterback. That was they were they they liked Blake Bortles last year. They went and they got him, I believe, with the third overall pick. And now in year two, his progression—he's ahead. I know we've been—I don't know—maybe a little hard on Bortles at times when he's had some lapses in play. But when you look at the numbers: thirty touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's going to throw for well over 4,000 yards. He is a guy in year two that is ahead of pace. And you think about what this team can be if he continues to progress. I mean, they, they, listen, things are looking up now in Jacksonville. This has been a lousy division for a while, but between Mariota,
4: Bortles, and Andrew Luck when he gets healthy and I think returns to form, it's suddenly a fun Absolutely. division M- moving forward. The question is who's going to win this division this year? And now, you know, the Matt Hasselbeck thing, has fallen apart, and they're hoping Andrew Luck is back next week. They play the Texans. predicted that by the way. They play you the recall, Texans next Greg. week. You did
3: what? And enough of this the Matt Hasselbeck glory boy train. It's about to about to fall off. No one, no Excellent one. call, wow. Dan. Thank you.
4: Area man predicts forty-year-old undefeated. No, because you were all like, no, no, no. Hasselbeck will
3: be fine. No,
4: I was saying, I was just giving him credit for what he did, and no matter what happens, he has had a wildly successful season to go to manage to win these games. But you can't count on him to win games for you,
3: well, a, or any quarterback behind what this line is doing. It's this a terrible game. offensive line. You know, Frank Gore he, hes beat up. This is one of the more depressing teams to watch right now. And I, I, there's no way to imagine that they're g- going to go on a run. And if I'm if, if I'm Jim Irsay, I'm like a little nervous about even putting pa- uh, Andrew Luck back in the lineup behind this line to take another beating. Uh, I think this is a team in a lot of trouble. The, the, the Jaguars, to me, are a way more compelling team right now. Oh, by far. Than, than the Colts are, which was not the way this was supposed to be. Uh, so everything is going well with the Jaguars. One thing, you know, this new extra point rule. Poor Jason Myers. No one's this flies under the radar because it's in Jacksonville. Their kicker has missed seven extra points this season. <laughs> well, it won't be their kicker. Yeah, for long. get a new kicker. Well, apparently on, on the CBS telecast, it was explained that Gus Bradley had not gotten rid of uh, Myers because. He felt it was too far into the season to get rid of a kicker, which makes no sense. So it's like instead of yeah. getting a new guy that can make it. you got to integrate points, him into the locker room. That takes months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no one's going to talk to him anyway. A well, kicker. I mean,
1: we all spent the offseason. I think we all agreed that the extra point rule didn't go far enough, but it certainly seems to have because even Sebastian Janikowski's missing extra points. I mean, we're coming off a week where a ton of guys missed it last but, week. Put, move here's it back, the and they'll
3: miss even more. Yeah, but here's well, the problem. Because they are- did... Because they went half measure on it, we're seeing a ton of missed extra points. How exciting is that? But people aren't going for two. Got to put it on the one-yard line. Really well, that's a cultural people.
1: thing, too. And in the, in the better coaches, teams societal. like the Steelers are doing it.
3: Uh, have they?
1: The Steelers have gone Steelers for two are. a ton. Yeah. Not, I mean, a ton compared to other teams. No, they There's are. None by other teams.
3: Practically no one else. Is. Who wins, Mark, who wins the AFC South?
1: Well, who do I want to win it? Who no, who wins win it?
3: it? Who wins it?
1: Well, I go, I, I go Texans because when I watch the Texans versus the Colts, even though you know the Texans are the most creative team on offense and they've got the most disruptive defense of the group, I don't know. I mean, it, it, barring an implosion, which is totally possible, Texans.
4: Most likely, the Texans and Colts winner from next week in Indianapolis wins the division. We like Jacksonville, but the winner of that Colts game gets to seven wins into so Jacksonville is then at, you know at the very least two wins behind that team. Mm. It's it comes down to that Colts Texans game and man, Chuck Pagano is not saving his job. Doesn't matter what happens. No. They have to win two playoff games for even to, for him to have a chance.
3: So the Jets won, uh, the Steelers won, the Chiefs won. So the Bills they needed to win to kind of stay afloat. Uh, but they did not. The Eagles are, remain just good enough to hang around atop the NFC East. Sam Bradford uh, threw two touchdowns, a 23-20 win, and the Bills, who saw their their, their playoff hopes now virtually evaporate with this loss. Greg, LaShawn McCoy's revenge game did not go to plan, did it?
4: It did not, and it ended
3: in such so
4: sad fitting fashion. LaShawn McCoy, jogging off the field without shaking anyone's hands or anything with 12 seconds left, runs back, into the locker room, was seen by reporters, uh, slamming his helmet against the wall, yelling the F word. Rex Ryan, meanwhile, after the game, immediately, uh, you know, he just goes in full Rex Ryan mode.
0: Let's take a listen. This one's tough because I thought we were the better team today, but uh, obviously uh, we got beat. We got ourselves to blame. Uh, You can't have that many uh, penalties, obviously, and and it's a no-brainer once jump off sides a zillion times. And we got, uh, I don't know how many holding calls, but it uh, looked like it was a record out there. You know how it affects us? You know, uh, we're going to be sick. I can tell you that much. If this, uh, if this costs us, which it probably will. <laughs> I
4: almost thought of the Jets press conference where he said that they were out of it. Like, right. he was almost was trying to do that again. Well, it, it, if this hurts us, like, it probably will. Like, he was almost trying to get that going again. And just for him to say that they're the better team after another one of these tough losses... I don't-
3: just too much. I don't miss this, Rex Ryan. I mean, this is not this is familiar ground. If you were a, a follower of Rex in New York, uh, you know the team getting outplaying their opponent but losing narrowly. Penalties killing them. I mean, fifteen this is familiar.
1: Well, and and as was, as was written in the post by Greg, that the, the so many of the penalties are not coming because of great effort on defense during a play. It's happening pre-snap, which is the stuff that coaching should fix. And this has been the most consistent thing about an inconsistent team is hurting themselves game after game. If you if you even had them as an average team when it came to flags, I think they have two more wins at this point. They, they
4: have outgained their opponent in six
1: of their seven losses, which is a totally
4: ridiculous stat. And I know why Rex felt like they were the better team today, because the running game was solid. LaShawn McCoy really was the best running back in this game by far. He, he goes over 100 yards from scrimmage despite having some plays taken back by penalty. Uh, his offensive line was not good. That's where Philadelphia did look good. Fletcher Cox was great. But Tyrod Taylor, I think, played well for three quarters. They pretty much did what they wanted to offensively, but the, the Eagles give them credit. Sam Bradford is playing the best he's played all year. Made some big plays down the field. They were aggressive. And the Bills' mistakes and their game management, and just at the end, for instance, there's one of those pre-snap penalties, changes it from a third and two, or a third and three, rather, to a third and eight. So they Taylor. have to go deep the next play, and Tyrod Taylor throws an interception in the game
3: over. Yep. And, oh, by the way, we did get, uh, we did catch up to LaShawn McCoy after the game. Actually, a lot of people, oh, you know, they were not able to get him. Really? We did catch up with him. Brandon, can we play that? No, it's not there. Oh. <laughs> uh, a howling Coyote, is that him? That that's I don't want him. to hear about LaShawn McCoy. A bad, Another bad week and a bad season. He's playing well enough. He's still LaShawn McCoy as a player. But, you know, I read a profile, uh, I believe it was Tyler Dunn for the Buffalo News this morning. Good reporter. That I believe was meant to to give, uh, you know, a more human face to LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I just came out of it thinking he's, you know, kind of like a selfish dude and, and not particularly a pleasant person to be around. And what what he did today, it's just not a good look. It's like, come on, grow up, bro. Not to
1: pound on the point, but part of the problem is Rex Ryan, who players like him because he doesn't, you know, prevent them from talking and creating bulletin board material. But a perfect week when this is season on the line to not have your running back mouth off seven days in a row before the game. And maybe it has no matter on it. But the fact that this became about one guy versus the entire Buffalo Bills is not good. It's not a good look for Rex Ryan. I don't care what anyone says.
4: So they're two back in the wild card of three teams, which means they are out of it. But the the Eagles are right in it now at 6-7, and tied atop the NFC East. We'll see if the Giants, uh, you know, tie them on Monday night. But Sam Bradford, if nothing else, I think played... Probably his best game of the year. I mean, it wasn't perfect, and there's an interception. Uh, they're splitting the carries now three ways between Sproles, Matthews, and DeMarco Murray, which is a good sign. Zach Ertz, who also had a costly drop, actually made a big play. They hit a couple plays down the field to Nelson Aguilar. So Nelson Aguilar sighting. Just I don't think they're a good team, but they're at least looking a little more like an 8-8 eight and eight type of team that might sneak away with this division. We'll see. All
3: right. Uh, next up, let's move on. Let's get another friend of ours on the phone. Uh, he's based out of Chicago. Uh, it's amazing that he's even time to watch games because his body is a temple and he works to make it that way. He is Kevin Pacha coming at you. What's
5: going on, fellas?
3: What's up, buddy? How's everything going? Oh, it's going great. The
5: one, one time a month I get to hear your voice, Dan, it just makes my day.
4: Well, you know, we're doing you a favor here because we could have you on to talk about your Lions, but instead we're going to give you the game of the day, the Redskins. Okay, maybe it wasn't the game of the day, <laughs> yes. but there were a lot of ups and downs in this Redskins-Bears game. What, what was your big takeaways?
3: Well, by the way, takeaways? what is Greg, Greg doing the setup?
4: What's not, I don't know. No, 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 I just no, no. I started talking and no, did it. Here's the, the
3: setup because we got to know what the score was. We have a system here, Greg. People have a whole thing at home you can see. You move to forward. the left, and it, it doesn't mean it changes the show.
4: <laughs> I started talking, and then I, I was going
1: to ask him a question. We're
0: just Mark, you decided. It's about me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you know, Dan's role as the host typically lays these up, but Greg is my boss, so you know, Greg, whatever you need to do to get your point across, I side with.
3: Robbie Gold missed the, a potential game-tying field goal in the final minutes. The difference in a 24-21 loss for the Bears to the Redskins who are back in the mix in the NFC, right in the middle of things uh, with everyone else losing at all times in the NFC East. Go ahead. Sorry, Patra.
5: No, no worries. I thought it was uh, (laughs) really a perfect ending to it, the missed field goal, because it kind of looked like Greg said. It was back and forth. At one point, Washington was up 14-0. They had two separate 14-point leads, and then Chicago came back. And I just thought the main takeaway for me was that Jordan Reed was unstoppable.
2: He was Mm. absolutely absolute
5: beast. They... No bears linebackers could stick with him out of his cuts. He was open all day, and when he got into the secondary, was running over defensive backs. It was really an impressive performance. He had 120 yards and a touchdown, and he should have had two touchdowns. He he didn't drop a ball. He had nine nine touches on nine targets. It was just phenomenal. He's the reason they won that game. Hmm. The rest of it was typical typical Redskins. Like 15 play drive to open the game. They had a, a bunch of three outs in the middle of the game, and they had a long drive to start. the second half with this word touchdown. But in the middle it was just long drives, short passes from Kirk Cousins and then they had bogged down. This and is Jordan Reed was the only consistent factor in the game.
3: This is the Jordan Reed by the way that was on our making the list, making the leap list last year. I think everyone saw his ability to be this guy so for him to turn into this player that's certainly somebody you could build around in Washington.
4: And they have a road to win. This is the first time they've done it all year. You know, I know there was uh, there was some luck at the end that both went the Redskins' way. You have Gold missing the kick for the second straight week. I mean, the, the, Bears, out, the Bears could have a winning record possibly if Gold had hit these kicks. Instead, they're 5-8. and eight. And then you had another play that was deflected up in the air on a Cousins pass, and the, and the Redskins catch it for a big play. But sometimes you need some breaks, and they just needed to win you know, one or two of these road games, and I really think now that Redskins-Eagles game is the one to watch to kind of decide
3: that division. Do you, Kevin? Do you like watching NFC East football teams? Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> How about the Bears? You're like the either.
4: Bears uh, beat writer right now.
5: Yeah, the Bears. The Bears are kind of a really boring team to watch. Frankly, their big plays mainly come on Alshon Jeffrey, Heaves from Jay Cutler, which was today when somehow the Redskins forgot to cover him for 50 yards. But for the Bears, their offense was pretty non-existent. Matt Forte and and Langford couldn't really get going. The the Redskins' D front was dominant. They dominated the offensive line of the Bears all all game. Cutler was under immense pressure. He had to scramble a lot, and he was just playing sandlot ball and was just chucking up and hope it was pretty much their offense for most of it. Kirk Cousins led him back in the game with one of the worst picks ever early in early in the second half, and that's what got got the Bears right back in the game. If it wasn't for that pick at the like, 20-yard line that he should never have thrown, it, 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 the Redskins should have walked away with it just because their fronts. Played better on both sides of
3: the ball. Um, before we let you go, Mr. Patra, and thank you for an accurate summation of that game. <laughs> I just want to know where you were exactly when Aaron Rodgers connected on that hail. Mary. Oh. I, you know, not because I'm, you know, like reveling in it, but I'm curious. One of the more crushing losses in Lions history. Where were you? Tell us. I was sitting on my couch. Because <laughs> what was your reaction? At 6,
5: <laughs> I had, at six a.m. I had to work at six a.m. the next day. Um. My reaction was, of Humble course bread. that happened. Of course it happened. Of course, after the face mask, you knew it was going to happen. Come on, it's the line. Everybody knew. I was actually not too upset about it because it means the end of Jim Caldwell. So I was worried about it. They might stick with him if he had a huge hot streak.
3: Seriously. So I'm, glad. I'm
5: actually, It actually might work out for the best.
3: So you're telling me if I go into your apartment uh, in Chicago uh, and the couch, which is uh, to the right of your entire uh, home equipment workout center that overlooks mm-hmm. the city, There's not going to be a huge hole over the couch that you punch the wall. You're being honest with us here? If if
5: I'm going to punch a wall, it's not over a loss for a four-win team, that's for sure.
3: All right. I understand that
1: thought process.
3: Um, Kevin Patra, always good to hear from you. Uh, Your voice sounds great. I'm sure your body looks better.
5: I'm working on it, Dan, just for you. (laughs)
3: All right, there goes Kevin Patra, uh, the other member of the Around the NFL team. Uh, Family is how I like to look at him. Maybe that's just me. No, well, that's
4: fair. He is a family He's not the only member. other one. You got Colleen Wolf.
3: Well, you know, TD. I don't. So listen, I'm, I, when I say family, mm. I'm talking about the writing fr- fraternity of around the NFL. Let's move on uh, to <laughs> another game. Listen, Mark, it's time. Now it's time. The show begins for Mark Sessler because Johnny Manziel made the most of his belated starting opportunity. He threw a touchdown pass, kept the sticks moving all afternoon, uh, a 24-10 for the Browns over the Niners. Uh, Mr. Sessler, this was a nice start to Manziel's Cleveland audition. But let me ask you a question. Uh, are you a little unhappy that they won this game because you're thinking big picture in draft day? I'm no. not talking about the Costner film.
1: No, because I think if you're if you're a team like Cleveland, you need to have something, one or two things to go into the offseason to plan around and have some hope. And Manziel, look, at he again showed that he can play i mean it was it it wasn't perfect he had one terrible pick but he also did a nice job with the rest of his 31 attempts Uh, he moved the ball found open receivers and they for the first time all season their run game was absolutely dominant Mm. i mean they blew up for 200 plus yards and this is the team that was advertised to browns fans all offseason and I think it actually only puts more weight and pressure on Pettin because finally with Manziel back out there, you have to go back to his last win against the Titans in week two that they've gone through this you know, parade with all these other quarterbacks and the argument was why not just put Manziel out there earlier? And you have to wonder if you've wasted two months of his development because he's still making mistakes and that he probably would have gotten over if he had played but all that's these games. It's partly
3: his fault. I mean it's partly we've his fault. About it's that. partly
1: his fault, but it's it's just the way they went into the season and he and he burned their trust early in the offseason. I just I I look at it like this is almost a lost year. That maybe in this last month, you asked me, do I wanna see this happening? If you're if you're in Cleveland and you're rooting for this team to grow, yes, you want to see a quarterback develop no matter where you are, because Forget the draft. You can, you know, they've been getting first round, high first round picks for a decade plus and it's not it's changed nothing.
4: Well, they also he also had the benefit of the run game and the defense that they haven't had all yeah. year and the benefit of playing the team that's ranked dead last in football outsiders metrics. So it's, it's Browns and 49ers yeah. were the were the two teams at the bottom and the Browns were dominant in this game. But I but I agree. I don't think you lose the development necessarily if he if he steps up and has a good month. That's going to make a big difference in how they look at the offseason. So it can't just be this one week. We'll see the next three weeks.
1: Yeah, and I think it'll be telling to find out when Cleveland plays Seattle next week where they really are because they punished Blaine Gabbert. Nine sacks. This is a team that only had 17 sacks coming into the year. So I don't want to say it was fluky, but it was just that they, Greg is right, they were playing a terrible basement-feeding team, and so... Cleveland, yeah, you're bet you're better than the Niners potentially. I don't know where that leaves you ultimately. Oh man,
4: we're looking at the upcoming schedule. It might leave you with three tough uh, games here: the at Seahawks, at Chiefs versus Steelers. It doesn't get any
3: tougher than that for the for the Browns. So they have their work cut out. There's not a win there, I don't think. Blaine Gabbert, by the way, when he gets sacked nine times, you wonder if the you know if he's going to get jittery in the pocket and maybe come. And we'll start seeing that Jacksonville uh, Jaguars Blaine because that's a tough beating to take in a game.
1: You're right. I mean, in in the reports going in couldn't have been worse for the Browns because Ian Rappaport noted that, and listen, this has not been a secret for a long time, but the coaching staff and the front office are at odds. They don't like the players the front office pick. The front office doesn't think the players are being coached well. So it seems as though changes and maybe deep cutting changes are imminent once again. Uh, I think we'll find out more about that this week.
3: All right. Anything else, Mark? Not really. All right, well, then let's move on. Drew Brees threw a pair of touchdown passes to Marquise Colston. Marquise Colston, welcome back to Relevance. And the New Orleans <laughs> Saints stopped a four-game losing streak, a 24-17 win over the Bucs. Uh, Greg, just when we were starting to buy in on Tampa, as a team that could be a sneaky playoff uh, group here. They lay an egg against the Saints, probably blow up their season.
4: Yeah, it's disappointing because they're going to be on Thursday Night Football this week against the Rams. And we were enjoying this Bucks team as a relevant uh, squad and gave that game a little relevance. And in reality, the Vikings are now two games up on this Bucs team. They're in the sixth spot. And it's hard to imagine anything uh, but the current six combination of teams in the NFC but making the playoffs. I mean, you just have to figure the Vikings and the Packers are getting in and really... Uh, the NFC East is the one thing up for grabs, and you can't be too surprised. The Bucks haven't been dominant uh, throughout this streaks that they end up splitting uh, the season series right. with even, a division rival.
3: Even the games that they're winning, these are, these are games where they're just pulling them out. They're they're either like the the best bad team or the worst good team. Exactly. They're kinda, you know, they're that in that place, but that's fine for this year. If they can win seven games and Winston makes progress, this is a good year for them. It's a great year just because of Jameis Winston.
1: Yeah, I mean, people had tampa earmarked going right back for another number one pick and you know there was very little to hang your hat on and everyone thought maybe lovey smith could be you know out of there if not mm. end of the year before that even and so i think it's forget the playoffs you're not going to go make a big run in the nfc even if you snuck in as the number 16 probably but you've got a lot to build around and what can a bad team ask for more than that
3: you know what's interesting too on the other side. Drew Brees is having kind of a weird season where there are weeks when he looks like old Drew Brees, and then there's weeks when he looks like old Drew Brees. <laughs> and I think that he's going to be somebody on a Saints team that's rebuilding, and you think maybe something can happen. Or he yeah. up Somewhere else, it's hard to if you let's say we'll use I don't know, we'll use the Browns as an example. If you're the Browns. Uh, are you getting? If, are you going to make a hard play for Drew Brees and think he's still going to be Drew Brees? You know? it, well, how about he's this? shown it at times, including today.
1: It's a great question. How about a hard play for the combination of Sean Payton and Drew Brees?
3: Right. Because Brees is
4: one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, and if Sean Payton's not going to be there next year, then you start to worry how good is Drew Brees going to be. Hmm. We're just raining down on uh, the parade of a rare uh, Saints win. I mean, everything about this was weird. C.J. Spiller is still in the NFL. And he had three carries in a game where Tim Hightower had 28. And C.J. Spiller is not going to be on that team I, for much longer. But that's insane. Tim Hightower was literally not in the NFL for four years.
3: I don't want to hear – I don't yeah. want to see one more story come out in any of these beats or on the Around the NFL page about how C.J. Spiller is about to finally step into a bigger <laughs> role. Because I saw it popping, cropping up again this week when Pierre Thomas went to IR it's not going to happen, Mark they, Ingram. They, yeah, well, Mark Ingram. They do not like him in the scheme. Obviously, maybe he's not healthy or he's not himself. It's just not happening.
1: Six touches, nine yards, and I couldn't agree more. He's going to have a bigger role, and it's going to be in another city next season. And, maybe.
4: Wh- and what does uh, Marcus Colston have to do to get his name pronounced uh, right by uh, Dan Hansis? Mark East. There's 20, twenty-five uh, players in the Hall of Fame uh, at the wide receiver position. Marcus Colston has more receptions than fourteen of them. That is a Peter King stat from this week that just shows how the NFL's
1: changed. But this has been a great player, an all-time great saint. Well, has he's he done, done it in some respect. unremarkable fashion, then, to the average non-Saints-focused yeah, football Yeah, you know, follower. he's kind of a,
3: M- kind of a blocking M-A-R-Q-U-E-S. Colston.
1: <laughs> I'll side with Dan on that one. I by this, by what, with this brother, is probably right? his
3: last season with the Saints. On so. the subject of names, Garbon is hitting no touchdown. Oh, we didn't even remember quid's that. Quid's in, mate. Quids in. He Bravander. got his wish. That's it, Definitely. man. Scavenger hunt coming up all over town. It's mega, man. It's mega. Oh yeah, we're going to the booze to celebrate. Johnny, come with no, Johnny, you stay home, bro. Stay home, mate. Not good for you to come with Gary Gary quids in Barnage. He's going out, man.
1: I I mean you leave us speechless with these with these Gary Barnage narratives. Gary so. Gary's just got such a good feel of uh the lexicon, you know.
4: I'm the, quids
3: in, mate. I got legless at the where are you getting these Johnny Monsell, you don't come. It's dangerous, Johnny. <laughs> I get a lot of tweets. So a lot of people a lot of people like it in the UK. Some people find it offensive, which mm. I find interesting. I don't find that shocking. I, I apologize to those that find it offensive. I will never stop. Keeping it real over here. <laughs> yes, uh, you are. Yes, you are. Finally. Todd Gurley's slump is over. All right. The uh, rookie ran for 140 yards, scored two touchdowns both in the second half, and the Rams snapped a long losing streak five games with a 21-7 win over the Lions on Sunday. Uh, Mark, I assume the Lions remain in a vegetative state after what happened last Thursday night. It's hard to win uh, with limited brain activity, I would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a fair comment. And, you know, it's hard to comment on this game because it's two teams going nowhere this season. And if anything, maybe the most hopeful aspect was after Frank Cignetti was, you know, as you said, turning his badge and his gun, the Rams offense a little bit more dynamic. I don't want to, actually, that's not the right word, but maybe a little bit less DOA, a little bit less of a corpse this week.
4: Well, they went over 300 yards, but it was in the Jeff Fisher dream fashion, 203 on the ground, 140 were from Todd Gurley, who broke it open. And this is just what Jeff Fisher's dream. This is what he thought this team could be, which is take a lead with the run and kind of just stifle the other team. But it's a dreadful 5-8 and eight team.
3: Um, Frank Signetti, yes, he turned in his badge and his gun. But as we hinted at uh, last week, doesn't mean he's no longer fighting crime. I'll leave it at that.
1: Well, I think you're right. We don't need to say another word about that.
3: Or this game. That's it. Why don't we talk about a little Sunday night football action? Please. Uh, The New England Patriots uh, are going back to the playoffs. Greg, congratulations. Seventh straight playoff berth. They move into the AFC's top spot, the number one seed, because everyone else that they needed to lose lost, and then they took care of business 27-6. A largely forgettable Sunday night game for Chris and Al and the team over at NBC. Uh, but it doesn't matter to Bill Belichick because he got what he wanted and a little banged up, Greg. Pats are a little banged up, but Brady connected with Gronk on a touchdown. Gronk looked healthy. This team is all of a sudden, after you know some hand-wringing over the last couple of weeks, exactly where they need to be.
4: They are, and they have a defense that's playing exceptionally well. And you mentioned the injuries. Uh, which are a big concern. But I think the effective play of the defense is really my takeaway. First of all, just seeing Gronk back out there and looking like Gronk, even though he didn't play every snap, he looked good. That's a major plus. But this is the best defense I think they've had since 2004. I might have made that same statement last year. I think they're both true. This is a better defense that you can take all these injuries. And Jabal Sheard steps up. And Dominique Easley steps up. And then he gets hurt. And then Malcolm Brown And Malcolm Butler, of course, is playing well. And they just keep coming at you in waves in the front seven. And they're not going to shut down a great offense, like a Steelers, for instance. But when they play some of these bad teams, they can actually have a shutdown type of game. And that hasn't really been the case for the Patriots in a long time. And,
3: of course, it must be said, in addition to both the Bengals and Steelers losing, J.J. Watt busts his hand three days before this game, was not effective. He had three tackles, no sacks. Uh, So he wasn't the same guy. But I will give credit, like you said, with the defense of the Patriots, which is very good. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, no one's been able to stop him all year. Three catches for 52 yards, and 40 of those came in garbage time. So they were able to shut down the most explosive football, uh, wide receiver in football this season, and let the offense do the rest, and they didn't have to do much.
4: Well, this combination of Logan Ryan and Devin McCourty, or whoever they want to put with Logan Ryan, Patrick Chung, They've been doing that each week, shutting down opposing number one receivers. That that puts Logan Ryan in the pro football focus rankings. He's a top five cornerback, which doesn't seem right to me. Part of the reason that is is because they put McCourty behind him. Now, McCourty got hurt in this game. Easily, who's been playing well, got hurt in this game. LeGarrette Blunt, who is the only decent running back they have left of, of what I think is probably their worst running game since about 2009, 2008, uh, he got hurt in this game and left, so then you're just stuck with James White. They could have scored more points in this game if they have a running game. Jonathan Freeney gets hurt in this game, who's had to start lately. So it's a lot of, a lot of injuries piling Let's
1: up. Let's look at this, what this game really was. It was New England's former offensive and defensive coordinator with Brian Hoyer, mm. the backup quarterback. At That's your team, going up against the master in Bill Belichick, Tom Brady there's nothing that Houston could do here that isn't already Any, completely known to the New England, and it showed tonight.
3: Anybody, unless you're a Texans homer, anybody that picked against the Patriots in this game needs to get their head checked. <laughs> Unfortunately, speaking of getting your head checked, Brian Hoyer suffered a possible concussion this game. T.J. Yates was back in the game uh, uh, near the end, so we'll see what, what that means for the Texans. And, you know, they're now 6-7, and seven, uh, which keeps them right. They're still in the mix. They get the
4: Colts next week, so it could be T.J. Yates... Versus Hasselbeck for the no, AFC South title. If Andrew day. Luck doesn't come back and Hoyer is out.
3: Can we just take all of the AFC South and all of the NFC East and have them play in like a really low stakes tournament of some kind? I love that. <laughs> and then the rest of like, the grown up teams at the adult table can play real football.
4: The NIT, give them their own. Soccer does NIT stuff tournament. like this. Can't we just, they have like other tournaments, yeah. they can relegate teams. I mean, the Texans had seven first downs in this game.
1: Seven first downs. Well, it, I, that might be the least
4: of any we're, team's that all year. Yeah,
1: and we're two weeks away from talking about the Texans as this, you know, you know, dominant defense that's coming together. It goes to show you that there's only a couple teams in the NFL that you can count on week to week, and the Texans are not one of those teams at this point. Instead, they are vying for the title of the worst division in football. If you're not the NFCs,
4: what a
3: competition!
1: A sexy competition yeah. at many levels. I,
4: I think Josh McDaniels had a really good game. I mean, this is a Patriots team that had been struggling a little bit on offense. It seemed like he just had the Texans' number. Everything that he was calling was looking good. That's now cool. we're
3: getting into the Greg, you know, gushing. Yeah, uh, well, they, here you know, here comes. The, yeah. Coming into the room, floating, yeah. a young cherub boy with angel wings. Oh, here's the harp. Well, here's the ha- in oh, his here's Left the flutist.
1: hand a big long bushel of grapes that mm. Greg will have one grape after the next put into and his it, mouth to be nourished.
3: And it's grape season. All the it's timing perfect. is perfectly Se- Greg's stuffing his face with grapes. Sessler
4: asked me, like, oh, do you think he'd take you know, too much grief for being a Patriots fan. And this whole little bit that you guys do, it's all it's saying is, like, your team is so amazing, the only thing we can come up with is to make fun of how good they are. That's like, you have it easy. That Greg, sounds like a compliment.
3: Greg is likable as ever right now. I really enjoy <laughs> the way you're taking that. Yes, we, we're we jealous of what you have. I did get, get
4: a lot of comments on the Jesselnick podcast. Hmm. Rosenthal and Justin like vanity project uh, which you can subscribe speaking of likable squeeze that spot into the end of the show I do get a lot of comments on Twitter which is worrisome you're much more likable in this podcast Uh, I didn't really like you on the ATL podcast (laughs) that worried me a little bit I've gotten that many times oh I like you way more now well you guys aren't discussing football football that 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 almost
3: tempts me to check out that podcast I haven't gotten around to it yet. If it could pull that off, they must be doing I've listened yeah. to them,
1: and I think that you guys, you enjoy each other's company, so maybe you find him more likable than the rest of the cast
3: Ooh. here. Oh, oh, Anthony's my best friend. He's a superstar in the comedy world. <laughs> we get along so well.
1: I think it's because he knows about his college atmosphere, and then everyone learns about what Greg did in college. Mm. Well, that's a fair that's point. True too. So right,
3: that might be why he's Brandon, a little more Brandon, likable. Brandon, stay out of this.
4: <laughs> this clearly was not a great Sunday night football game, but... <laughs>
3: so it's better to keep it mysterious to the listeners brandon uh yeah that that is a that is a podcast that exists that's my plug that's all i need it's on once a week right i don't need it from you yeah Yeah, it's heavily edited that's true
1: that's the way to prop up your boss dan yeah how many
3: stitchers by the way
4: well, the the, the stitcher. Well, where's our we Stitcher? We don't have any either. Well, we won. <laughs> like we won one. We
3: the
1: riches, you know, on our mantle in the East Coast somewhere outside of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh. That's the last thing. Blowing I've done. the lid off that one.
3: Sessler, wow. letting it. Yeah, where, have you, where were you on the awful announcing top ten list? Your podcast.
4: It's. I'm glad that this podcast, the flagship program of NFL.com and uh, the podcast empire, was on the list.
3: Answer real quick. Favorite podcast at NFL.com. is
1: My favorite podcast.
4: Okay, Stop it. that was like a I test. Have to it was a
1: test. A late-night grilling, if you will.
3: Yes. All right. That is, uh, yeah, that's the Sunday night game, and that is the recap of all the Sunday action. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday. Uh, I believe our good friend Connie Fox um, will be with us as well, Colleen Wolf, and uh, we will uh, recap the final game of Week 14, uh, which is, Greg? Giants-Dolphins. giants Dolphin. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, poor Jay Gruden or John Gruden. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll look we'll look ahead to Lucky week fifteen.
4: Gruden, Cause he's six and seven and in first place because he's with lousy teams like the Giants.
3: Well, that's very Bang. fair. Uh, but in until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off. Mm. For Quiet Storm. The boss. Brandon behind the glass. Till Tuesday.
0: What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here from Move the Sticks. Big Move the Sticks episode for you to check out this week. Bucky, what do they have? We're going to break down the positions and the way that you should rank them if you're building a franchise. Yeah. We also take a look at some scouting notes and get some user feedback. Yeah, lots lots of topics to cover. You can check that out, Move the Sticks podcast. And quick shout-out to the boys uh, from around the NFL. Congratulations on being on that uh, list of top podcasts for the year. We give you guys a hard time, but we do love you, and congratulations on that award. Very cool. begins.